This is a shock podcast. Shock. You're listening to a shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that is known as the 8-Second Man. Uh, that's how long I take to complete a throw-in. Is that code? <laughs> I know, you take two minutes. Today, we are down to two people again. We, as in me, Faisal American. And me, Nicholas John. Mirza Male isn't here. He has been loaned out to the Beauty Tips podcast because he has fantastic skin. He'll fit right in. <laughs> Just kidding. Enjoy yourself in Bali. Now, the Premier League is two weeks old and already it's had its fair share of drama. Well, just like every other season then. Uh, One of the highlights of the weekend, Tottenham had a 2-0 win over Manchester United. (laughs) Papi Matassa opened the scoring for Spurs and uh, Lisandro Martinez netted a known goal so at least United scored. It was a great statement of intent from Spurs boss Ange Postikoglu, right, after seeing Harry Kane leave. Yeah. Uh, One of the main areas of concern for Spurs was how they were going to cope with uh, Kane's exit because he has been the main focal point of the uh, uh, attack for so long. But I think what's actually happened is that his departure has freed up Tottenham to explore other tactics and, and ways of playing because when you have such an important player in the team what inevitably happens is that the coach tends to build the team around that player, Mm. right? And while this may work some of the time, for most other times, it restricts the team to a very narrow set of options in Mm -hmm. terms of tactics. And they become predictable. And they become predictable, yeah. And now that Kane is gone, uh, it's done two things. One, like I mentioned, it's opened up more tactical possibilities for them. Uh, Two, it's galvanised mm-hmm. the remaining players because now they know they need to up their game in Ian mm-hmm. Kane's absence and perhaps also some who maybe before this were playing kind of under Kane's shadow never quite had the chance to shine mm-hmm. may look at this as their opportunity mm-hmm. to step up now yeah. it also adds that level of uncertainty to the team right because the opposing teams will have to check out all their scouting notes from the past yeah because everything has changed and the thing about Postacoglu is that he, he he's of you know the the Australian from that that Australian national team fame right, mm-hmm. and they are known as a team that plays quite attractive attacking football. Without you've got one or two big names, but then the rest of the players are let's admit it players we've not heard of, <laughs> and yet they can perform quite well at, on the big stage, and and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that in the Spurs team now. So as for United. Uh for me, it seems their biggest problem is uh, what they have in their heads or rather what's lacking in their heads. Um, to me, when things are going well for them, they're monsters on the pitch, right? But if things start to go wrong, it all falls apart. Why is that? Is it a lack of proper leadership? Uh, this is a far cry from uh, the time when United had people like Roy Keane on the pitch, heck, even Gary Neville. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Nick, uh, Bruno Fernandes... Not a very good captain, is he? Yeah, and I'm just going to say it. You know, I, I don't rate Fernandez very highly as a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a player, he's brilliant. And I have read 
you know, stories and articles about how he's he's actually very generous with sharing his knowledge and experience with uh, the younger players and all that. But as a leader on the pitch, I I don't think mm-hmm. he's all that. You know, which is no fault of his. It's it's leadership is one of those things where you you either have it or you don't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, not the. Roy Keane type to go back to the uh, to the to the big guy right the guy to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and galvanize people in his case um he's the one that's grumbling and just mouthing off everybody yes exactly and and it, it's not just Keane you know even Neville uh people like Peter Schmeichel back mm. in the day Steve Bruce Eric Cantona these are players like you said that that can galvanize the team uh they they are ones that the players respected even feared mm. most of the time uh and and they were just good at rallying the team when the chips are down which is not something you see fernandes doing la mm-hmm. but i think this also points to a larger problem at united um and and you were spot on when you say that they tend to fall apart when things are, are not quite going their way and it's something that they need to fix urgently because dude this is football you know there are mm. going to be ups and downs that's it's the nature of the game and if you can't pick yourself up when when you go down then you're in trouble mm-hmm. it's it, it's an urgent it, it's urgent matter that needs to be fixed might as well bring back harry maguire as captain at least he was good for a laugh <laughs> <laughs> um other notable results at the weekend um and we're going to talk about another new manager Maurizio Pochettino saw his Chelsea team losing 3-1 against West Ham they only have one point after two games not the best of starts not the best uh, things were looking actually okay from the results point of view you know when they drew with uh, Liverpool in their season opener uh but i think all their frailties and deficiencies were on display against uh, the Hammers now The Blues have spent I think around 900 million pounds on mm-hmm. players since Todd Bowley took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still nowhere near being the force that they used to be or that they can be. Um I I think in players like uh, Sterling and 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 Caicedo and and maybe even Enzo Fernandez you're potentially looking at at, at individuals who can take charge and make an impact but you don't see that core group of players who who can become that sort of mm-hmm. the anchor of the team yeah. you know the ones that you can rely on all the time you know uh, and it's something that Pochettino needs mm. to fix um the thing about Poch is that we we know if given the right players and the right resources we know what he can do he shouldn't he shown mm. it at at Spurs back in the day um uh, but with all these new signings coming in i think i read that I think in the in the summer window itself they've had like nine signings. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of them are actually Pochettino signings and how many of them uh were, were brought in by the by the owner. Yeah, and how many of the signings were just to piss off Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> Caicedo <laughs> yeah, being case in point. And Lavia. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think you got a point there. Chelsea now it looks like an expensively assembled mercenary team. I mean, I don't see much cohesion in the squad. Yep. I guess that will come with time, but who knows maybe uh Pochettino will be gone by that time <laughs> exactly you know how you know the, the managerial merry go round works right arsenal beat crystal palace 1-0 they had takihiro tomiyasu sent off for two yellow cards uh, the first yellow was because he took too long to take a throw in the 8 seconds from the intro uh, the second yellow was apparently for shirt tugging although replay showed it was highly debatable 
Meanwhile, Liverpool came back from a goal down to beat Bournemouth 3-1. They were also down to 10 men after Alexis McAllister got sent off for a dodgy refereeing decision. Uh, it's the latest in the line of bad calls, and I'm not talking about the phone calls I make after matching with somebody on Tinder. <laughs> now, the previous week, uh, the referee's chief had to apologise to Wolves after they were denied a blatant penalty against Manchester United. I think it's obvious that something needs to be done about the whole refereeing issue because, let's face it, the Premier League, it's one of the best in the world when the most high profile and they're being let down by crap referees. Yeah. Um, I have a theory though, mm. right? I think that technology is both the cause of the problem and potentially also the solution. Mm. Uh, it's the cause because of things like VAR. Uh, there's less of a need for ref for referees to sort of, you know, have their eyes everywhere, so to speak. Um, there's less less pressure on them to, to have to be perfect all the time, unlike mm. in the past, you know, where... The ref had nothing to fall back on. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, it was the ref's word. That's it. No one, no one comes to help him out and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, so this switch to technology, I think, may have resulted in a generation of refs who are perhaps not as skilled at the intricacies of the game mm-hmm. compared to before, uh, because they don't need to be. You know, you, there, there's te- technology to fall back on. But I think that tech could also be the solution because with VAR now, mm-hmm. you have, what is it, 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. maybe even more or, or different cameras watching every possible angle of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think they should make use of this. Uh, just like how viewers at home get to watch multiple angle angles of whether, whether it was a foul or not, whether it was a penalty or not, the ref should make use of, of these same images as well. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they're not doing this. You mentioned the... Uh, Alexis McAllister incident, the rape card, which was mm. subsequently uh, rescinded. Yes, the ref may have initially made uh, a mistake giving out the card, but why didn't the television official step in? Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it was a case where we have that extra pair of eyes, we have you know all those extra cameras and footage of mm-hmm. of the incident and all that. Why didn't the VAR official intervene? Mm-hmm. So I think you just answered the question itself, yeah. you, like you mentioned. We have the technology in place. In theory, it's good, but it counts for nothing if it's being handled by the Three Stooges. Exactly. And, and I think it also goes all the way up back to FIFA because FIFA has always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with VAR. I think on some level, they realise that, okay, this is technology. It's how you know the, everything is advancing. The world is, is moving ahead and all that. It's a switch that needs to happen. But mm. I think they're also a bit reluctant uh, to move to with the times and to adopt mm-hmm. technology, and one of the things that they always use as, as an excuse to not, you know, fully adopt it is that, oh, they're afraid that it's going to inter- interfere with the flow of the game and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think the pro- if you're if you're worried about the flow of the game, look look at the players. They are the ones who are causing all the interruptions, rolling around on the ground mm-hmm. and everything, wasting time, taking eight seconds to throw <laughs> you know, th- for, for a throw in and all. And and you just look at the example of of rugby, where they've used you know the, the extensive use of of the television match official for for many years now. It, it does not take away anything from the entertainment value. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. still an entertaining watch. It doesn't feel draggy. Even you know th- th- those few seconds or so when you're waiting for the TMO to, to give you his his verdict, 
there's that sense of you know kanchongness you know is mm-hmm. say waiting to find out what what happens so uh, i don't think it'll affect the game at all mm-hmm. from a, you know personally is my opinion okay what do you think about miking up referees and uh, and the assistants and then broadcasting their conversations so at least we know uh, what they're thinking the reasons for their decisions um Okay, bad or good, right? At least people can understand where uh, where they're going. Yeah, miking up refs. Again, this is something I, I think that that rugby does, and in several other sports as well. Mm. Uh, and, and I think it will add uh, value to the whole experience. One for the viewer at home, but also, like you said, for the game itself. You know, to to, to know mm. exactly what their their train of thought is, but. The thing about miking up is that it's got to be only for the refs mm-hmm. because I think the players with the players standing so close you're going to catch some things on 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 the mic that are not suitable for broadcast. <laughs> that would be a good entertainment value though. Then you'll need like an 18, you know, 18 plus rating for football matches after that. <laughs> Elsewhere, uh, Man City beat Newcastle 1-0. Nottingham Forest beat Sheffield United 2-1. Brighton hammered Wolves 4-1. Brentford 3-0 win over Fulham. And Aston Villa hammered Everton 4-0. Now, this is a huge result against Everton. Uh, there's already talk of them possibly facing yet another relegation battle. It's been, what, three or four seasons in a row now. Mm-hmm. And they've been lucky in the past, but... This is the season I think they could finally go down. Yeah, third time unlucky. Uh I I I think in one of our shows last season I mentioned that Everton's problems started two seasons ago. Mm. Uh you know back uh, I think they were just two places away from relegation when Frank Lampard was in charge in uh, 2022 and they were just one spot above the drop last season when uh, Sean Dyche barely helped them survive, right? Mm. Uh I think And and I've always maintained this that after their close call in 2022, they should have replaced Lampard and 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 brought in reinforcements. Um, they've, like you said, you know, they've barely survived over the past two seasons. This could be the year they actually go down, which would be a shame. Uh, and and I know we're only two games in, but they're already bottom of the table. No wins, no goals. Uh, it's not looking good for them. Mm-hmm. I hope it won't end up like that Malay proverb, you know, pandai pandai Everton melompat, akhirnya jatuh ke championship juga. Oh, oh God! <laughs> uh, one more big news item from this past week: it's uh, United finally making its decision on Mason Greenwood. Next. <laughs> okay, okay, since you insist, Nick <sighs> Now, after months of speculation United finally confirmed that Mason Greenwood Is leaving Old Trafford over his recent legal issues It's uh, by mutual consent The only thing involving consent um, <laughs> I'm not saying anything else <laughs> Well, okay, so Uh, Greenwood was accused of assault and attempted rape. Um, he was arrested and suspended from the squad. The accuser withdrew the allegations and the charges were dropped. So um, he was never proven innocent or otherwise. Greenwood was still frozen out while United did their internal investigation. Now, initially, rumours were saying that he would have been eased back into the team, but this caused a huge public Out, uh, outrage, and it's now confirmed that Greenwood is uh, leaving. 
Yeah, and and no surprises here really because holding on to Greenwood was always going to be a PR disaster. Uh, look, times have changed, and mm-hmm. and you know, gone are the days when athletes can get away with their indiscretions off the field just because they are superstars on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wasn't even a superstar. And he wasn't even a superstar, exactly. But the allegations against Greenwood were very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And and even though, like you mentioned, the accuser dropped the charges, I think. Uh, it, it doesn't imply, you know, guilt or innocence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get my drift, and and I think the damage to his reputation was already done. Uh, and and honestly, I think United were left with no choice. They they had to to, to part ways, considering the the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and speaking of that, the gravity of that situation, it. it also leads me to believe that he has no more future in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt any of the other clubs are going to take a risk by by signing him because mm-hmm. of all the potential PR problems that are going to mm-hmm. come along with a move like that. Uh, so I think the best option for him uh, from a professional point of view would be to to consider a move to another league. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a rumor linking him with uh, with Saudi Arabia. I think it was Al Etifaq, but uh, Stephen Gerrard said no, 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 no. Yeah, we know. won't touch him with a ten foot pole, um, <laughs> which is something that got Greenwood into trouble. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm cutting out that, but <laughs> um, yeah, JDT perhaps. <laughs> Dude, no, <laughs> don't dig that hole. <laughs> Well, at least he has one thing in common with me. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Okay, I am not smart enough to talk about this further. So let's just move on, shall we? <laughs> For this weekend's matches, uh, Chelsea host Luton. Spurs are away to Bournemouth. Arsenal take on Fulham at the Emirates. Manchester United play Nottingham Forest at Old Trafford. Everton play Wolves. Man City travel to uh, Sheffield United. And um, the big one, it's Newcastle are at home to Liverpool, who will have McAllister back in the squad. You can catch the big games live on Astro. What's your hot take for this coming weekend? My hot take for this coming weekend, yeah, like you mentioned, Newcastle uh, at home to Liverpool. I, I think Liverpool yet to fire on all cylinders. The potential is there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, hope, hopefully, they will be fired up for this one. And Newcastle, like we saw last season, they are really going for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- that would be my my pick of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. And obviously, I agree since I wrote the bloody script. <laughs> <laughs> And they are your team that you support. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although, okay, going with my keep my expectations low, my thingy, I'd be happy with a draw for this. Yeah, and and also taking a look at it, Arsenal uh, versus Fulham at the Emirates potentially uh, just mm. just by virtue of being uh, a derby and you know mm. London derbies tend to be quite fiery sometimes mm. so yeah if it lives up to the to the uh, expectation yeah, that that could be another interesting one finally before we go congratulations to Spain for winning the women's world cup for the first time after beating England uh, 1-0 in the final they won a trophy and a kiss on the lips from the uh, head of the Spanish FA <laughs> and he's in trouble now <laughs> and England still can't win even the women's team <laughs> Who said that? Uh, who said that women's uh, teams? It just goes to prove that um, men's and women's football 
in England's uh, in <laughs> let's just say that um, men's and women's football are equally matched. In Especially England. when it comes to England. <laughs> exactly. And how they suck. <laughs> well, that's all that we have for this week. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Faisal American. I'm Nicholas John.